This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise that you are in these troubled times, King and Lord of the universe, and the lover of every tribe and every nation and every people. Amen. Racial and ethnic tensions. They continue to blight our world and our own country. That's what makes this morning's gospel reading so disturbing. Is this Jesus, the compassionate healer, refusing the pleas of a desperate mother to heal her daughter because of her race? Is Jesus, the light of the whole world, turning his back on an entire people group? Well, the answers are found in that elusive theological phrase, the already and the not yet. Now, it's a running joke among seminary students that there are two answers, absolute correct answers to any and all biblical and theological questions. When in doubt, give one of these two answers. Jesus. That's a no-brainer. But... The other is not so clear-cut, and it is the already and the not yet. Now, this phrase summarizes the reality that the kingdom of God is both a present reality and a future hope. Inaugurated by God at the very first coming of Jesus, it continues to this very day, and so is here already. And yet the kingdom has not yet come into its fullness. And so we continue to experience worldwide pandemics, injustice, death. And these will continue until the kingdom reaches its full realization with the second coming of Jesus. When in the words of the revelation to John, there will be no more death or mourning or crying, or pain. And so we live, though, in a state of tension, but never without great hope. And so despite the incompleteness, we still experience the grace, the the healing, and the great hope of Jesus Christ. And so that, in a nutshell, is the already and the not yet. And this provides a framework for this morning's startling passage from Matthew. It's popularly popularly called the faith of the Canaanite woman. And it's a significant bookmark between two other chapters in the Gospel of Matthew. First, Matthew 10, when Jesus commissions his disciples for their first mission trip with the rather strange admonition Go nowhere among the Gentiles. The next, and this contrasts greatly with the second, which is 
the very last chapter of Matthew, chapter 28, when right before his ascension, Jesus recommissions the disciples to go make disciples of all nations. Well, there are a number of major barriers separating these two events. And today's story gives us a glimpse into the eventual collapse of some of these barriers. So let's take a look at this morning's gospel, starting Matthew 15, verse 21. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Now remember from our previous readings of Matthew in the last few weeks, Jesus is grieving the brutal execution of his beloved cousin, John the Baptist. He, he's seeking solitude in his grief, but he's constantly being followed by large crowds, and Jesus, being Jesus, stops and heals many. He also feeds 5,000 of them with a few loaves of bread, and he also engages in debate with the scribes and the Pharisees. He's tired. He's frustrated. And so he leaves his home in the south and heads north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, this journey is very significant because it represents, a, yes, a physical distance, for this is the region of the Gentiles. And that's extremely important because this journey also represents a great distance of major ethnic and cultural differences. And so, naturally, he's in the land of Canaan. He meets a Canaanite woman. So the story continues, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. Well, this is a tr tremendously dramatic and potentially volatile scene. As a Gentile, this Canaanite woman and all Canaanites at this point in history are in the eyes of the Jewish establishment pagans. It's very sad. Enemies. Now, there are ancient and deep-rooted cultural prejudices here that are, are very complicated, but the reality is that Jesus should, by ancient tradition, have nothing to do with this woman, let alone help her. Now, but on the other hand, we need another stop here. We have already seen Jesus helping other Gentiles in the book of Matthew. In Matthew 8, he heals the servant of a Gentile Roman centurion's uh, servant, and he also uh, heals two Gentile demon-possessed men. But it's clear that word of his healing power has begun to spread. And it must have spread to the north country because in her plea to Jesus, the Canaanite woman, remember, cries out, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. Now, this is a title of great respect, but also a rare title for the Jewish Messiah. And so it indicates some knowledge, at least, of Jewish heritage. But cultural and ethnic tensions are still very much present in this scene. Matthew tells us that Jesus did not answer her at all. Now, Matthew seems to draw attention to this point of silence 
Because while silent, Jesus does not reject the woman's plea outright. He does not send her away. And yet this silence speaks volumes. Something else is happening here. In the midst of her tremendous anguish, this woman is demonstrating to Jesus both tremendous courage and a deep faith. And notice, she reaches across two of the existing barriers potentially separating her from Jesus. First, she is a woman directly approaching a Jewish man. And second, she's a Gentile. But through her faith, these barriers begin to crumble. But then the the disciples intervene. They came and urged Jesus, saying, send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. Now, the disciples know the law and the prophets. The disciples know the history of their people, Israel. And they clearly must remember the earlier directive to go nowhere among the Gentiles. So from this perspective, Jesus is not compelled to help this woman, no matter how heart-rending the scene. As one commentator writes, the time when Jesus' work would break through the barriers of the Old Testament particularisms had not yet arrived. Confirming this reality, Jesus says to her, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But let's face it. What do ancient enmities and prejudicial particularisms matter to a mother pleading for the life of her daughter? Not at all. And yet, she understands them. And she seems to intuit that they do, they must matter in some way to Jesus. But she comes back. She came and she knelt before Jesus saying, Lord, help me. What an extraordinary act of faith and hope. Now, you can imagine the disciples leaning in to hear if Jesus is going to respond. Who's going to break this silence? Well, Jesus does by saying, it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. The tone here is not as harsh as it sounds. The Greek here for dog refers to a smaller house dog, not the wild street dogs that were often used by the religious establishment to describe Gentiles. So the tone here is much softer than it appears, but it still has that undercurrent of tension. The woman's response to this is breathtaking. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Amazing. Now, her use of the words dogs and crumbs implies the diminutive little. So she's actually saying even the little dogs 
get the little crumbs. It's a response of, of, of great insight and even a dash of wit. This courageous woman comes to the Jewish Messiah presenting only her desperation, her love for her daughter, and great faith. And she is willing to settle for the crumbs from the bread of life himself. Now remember, Jesus has only recently fed the 5,000 with that very bread. And this precious woman now seeks a seat at the banquet table. In many ways, this passage highlights God's initial call to Israel to be the first bearers and sharers of the blessings of the gospel. But as Jesus tells us, and the Jewish people in his teaching, throughout their history, they have largely failed in this commission. And so, the circle of the gospel must expand. And now, at least for today, it includes this Canaanite woman and her daughter. And so Jesus exclaims to her, and I'd like to think with the biggest smile on his face, woman, oh, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. For one beautiful moment, a cultural barrier, an ethnic barrier, vanishes. And the now and the not yet are temporarily, at least, reconciled. In this moment, we see the joy and the hope that lie ahead for the Canaanites as the gospel spreads, and all nations that will be represented in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, which is not that far away. Now, this story invites us to anticipate faith in unexpected places. Who would have thought that this exchange would possibly have occurred between the Jewish Messiah and the Canaanite woman? So we should never, ever underestimate God's desire for all people to end up at the banquet table. May our own witness to others be shaped by our faith in God's deep love for all the world on that globe and all the peoples on that globe. With the great power of his message of amazing grace. Yes, we still live in the already, but thanks be to God, we can with great hope and with great joy, anticipate the not yet. Amen. Oh,